welcome to She Plus Me, a podcast that inspires and celebrates personal and professional growth. I'll be your host, Nora Bade, founder of She Plus Me, an educational lifestyle brand. After going through my own wild journey of discovering my most authentic self through mind, body, and soul, I've been discovering what it takes to find your passion and to live your most authentic life. This is the place to be to dig into real and raw conversations with radiant souls from everything natural beauty to holistic health, deep healing, personal growth, and building a purposeful life. Every single one of us has the ability to build extraordinary lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. Welcome back to another episode of She Plus Me, and today I'm so excited to be chatting with a multi-passionate entrepreneur, Sarah Kelly. For anybody who is an entrepreneur or wants to be, there isn't a better person to learn from. Sarah is the founder of Sarah Kelly Designs, a jewelry brand that's designed for the modern women and also consults heart-based entrepreneurs throughout their business journey. Today, we are going to talk about spending more time doing what you love and making money in a way that aligns. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored that you invited me to be on. I'm so excited to have you on because I think so many of our listeners can learn so much from what you have to offer and just the knowledge you have surrounding businesses and creating something that aligns so closely and authentically to themselves. Thank you. And that's something that has definitely been a journey to kind of get to this place. So I'm excited to share a little bit more about that. Yeah, so let's dive in. I want to go back to way back to your childhood days. Like how was little Sarah growing up and what was she into and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's kind of um, it's kind of a fun journey. So I was born in Toronto and I'm the eldest of four kids. And growing up, I was always very into arts and crafts, making friendship bracelets, um, painting rocks, all those sorts of things. And my parents always really nurtured that in us. You know, my mom was always always buying us craft supplies and teaching us how to do all these new things. And when I was in grade three, I actually made a whole bunch of friendship bracelets. And I don't remember if it was my idea or my mom's idea, but I brought them to school and I sold them to my classmates for 50 cents. And I thought that was just so cool that I could make something and then sell it to people. And then right before grade four, we moved here to Nova Scotia. And I remember going to like a craft show, I guess. And it was in somebody's home around the corner from us. And it was full of like paintings. And I think it was before Christmas, like a little Christmas craft sale. And I thought it was so cool that again, somebody had made all these things and now all these people were there to buy it. So I had expressed to my mom that I wanted to do something similar. And so she was like, sure, let's do it. So I made up all these fun little things. I think it was mostly like, again, friendship bracelets and painted rocks. And I invited my friends over to (laughs) shop my craft sale. I don't remember if I sold anything or not, but I remember it was just such a fun thing to do. Um, That selling part was always sort of there in me, I guess. Like it's never been a weird thing for me to sell. I love how it's um, like at a young age, you were just nurtured and fostered in a way to put yourself out there, which I think sometimes as a parent, you're, you know, fearful of putting your children in situations where, you know, they could feel rejected or let down or whatever the emotion might cause. So it's, um, I think it's like a fine line, but I love the fact that you just put yourself out there with your passions. And 
that that kind of acted in a way as a learning lesson throughout your life. 100%. And yeah, it was a really good lesson early on. And so as I grew up, I sort of got away from doing that because of course when you're, you know, a teenager, all these you know, the self-consciousness comes up and I didn't have that same sort of belief. I was still creative here and there, but I just don't think it was a priority or something that I was really focusing on. And then when I graduated high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I told my parents that they should just put me at SMU or something like that. (laughs) And uh, my dad was like, well, you know, we're not just going to put you somewhere and, you know, pay for that tuition if you don't really know what you want to do. So he suggested that I go to community college. So I took a year of business and I mean, it was good. And I actually loved community college. It was a smaller group. You really got to know people a lot better. I felt like we had a lot of really good hands-on teachers and whatnot, but I still had no idea what I wanted to do. So I did my first year. And then all of a sudden I saw a posting for a flight attendant job and I had gone through French immersion all through school. So I had that bilingual aspect. So I applied and I got the job. That's incredible. How, how, did you feel towards the flight attendant job? Like I I can imagine the travel aspect was so appealing to you, but were you ever nervous about the lifestyle that would be, you know, associated with it and the hours and that sort of thing? I wasn't. And I think it's because I was 19. And I mean, mm-hmm. that was all sort of exciting at that time. Yeah. I was a flight attendant for two years. And then I started working my way up sort of like the corporate ladder of the airline. I was then promoted to like in charge flight attendant and then supervisor of the flight attendants. And then I ended up being promoted to the manager of training and regulatory compliance, which really oversees a lot of like the training programs, the manuals, the emergency equipment placement on the aircraft, um, compliance with transport Canada regulations and all those sorts of things. Wow. I had never realized that flight attendants kind of the scope of their job really went that in depth. I I really just saw it at a, a top level. Mm-hmm. Basically everything in the cabin. So not just the flight attendants, but the emergency equipment, all of the like galley, which is like the kitchen area, mm-hmm. everything to do with the cabin falls under like the flight attendant scope of the airline. Interesting. So how was that being a flight attendant? So it was amazing, um, especially as a 19 year old. And I had this sort of lifestyle and, you know, a job and a paycheck that Mm -hmm. was amazing at that point. And it was really exciting. It was everything that I needed and wanted at that point in my life. And then once these opportunities kind of kept presenting themselves for these higher roles, I just felt called to apply for them and felt like it was just the next logical step. So once I was promoted to the mm-hmm. manager of training and regulatory compliance, a lot of my friends were still in university. And here I was like overseeing flight attendants who were double my age and flying places to look at the emergency equipment layouts on aircraft and, you know, dealing with directors and maintenance people and all these things. So it really helped me mature quickly and also developed a lot of confidence in myself and my abilities. Which is a strong skill to foster, especially at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a really amazing boss and she really took me, she was the only female director and she really took me under her wing and nurtured me and gave me a lot of responsibility and really let me 
like grow and, and nourished my growth. And so I think that was a big part of it too. That's incredible. So at how long were you working there again? So that was about four or five years. And so it was around that time when I was working in the office that I started to have these thoughts that even though I loved my job, I wanted more of a flexible lifestyle. And I feel like this was way before you know, like flex work or any of that was even a thing. And I don't know if it was like, if it was (laughs) self-entitlement, entitled to have, you know, this, this flexible lifestyle or this lifestyle that I wanted. But I had started reading books about being an entrepreneur and kind of owning your own time. And, you know, what would it look like if you could get up and do what you wanted for the day, like start planning out your day like that. And I just started dreaming about these possibilities. Mm -hmm. And it was around that time that I started thinking, well, what could I do if I was an entrepreneur? And so I came back to jewelry. And so I've never been formally trained in jewelry, but it was something that I always enjoyed doing. So I picked up some supplies again and started playing around and decided to launch a jewelry business alongside my full-time job. That's incredible. I mean, for especially for, you know, you being a flight attendant and being at the level where you were and recognizing that you wanted the flexibility, I think for, and I say for any typical person, but for any typical person, it would be very hard to kind of remove yourself from, you know, what you know and what you've grown to love in a sense, because it does innately kind of become a part of your identity. And I think many of us kind of get comfortable in just what we've accomplished or what we have reached and fear potentially losing it all. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely a part of it. I definitely had that identity sort of interwoven with myself, or I thought it was. And, you know, I was the person who had this established career while everybody else was still in university. But something inside me was just speaking a little bit stronger than that. And so yeah, I decided to start this on the side. And after a couple of years of focusing on it, you know, I'd have like a little show here or there. And I started a website and I was doing well with it. I decided that I wanted to pursue it full time. And to be honest, it was more the flexibility and the lifestyle that really attracted me to kind of taking the leap and doing it full time. Mm -hmm. And so it was around that time that I had gotten engaged to my now husband. So this was about 10 years ago. And he supported me full on. He had seen me growing this on the side and following my dream. So we decided that I would leave my full-time job and pursue my jewelry business. I just love the passion that's uh, clearly embedded in your story. So tell me a little bit about how the beginning stages of your business looks like, because (laughs) I can imagine how fearful that was. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it was um, definitely a blind leap. I mean, I had certain ideas of what I wanted to do with it. And to be honest, if I didn't have the support, again, of my now husband, I wouldn't have been able to do it because, I mean, I wasn't making really any income right away. I had to really find my footing there. And to be honest, the resources that exist nowadays did not exist then. So at this point, I was, I think I was 24 when I had taken, 24, 25 when I left my job. And uh, yeah, like I didn't have anybody that I looked up to who was doing this. You couldn't find, there weren't podcasts and online courses and even to try and find books about this sort of thing were very few and far between. So I kind of just followed what I knew and tried through trial and error. So my first thought was like, how can I sell this stuff? (laughs) I was like, well, the farmer's market seems like the next logical step because that's kind of the only place I really knew. 
Yeah. So then I kept trying to get a spot at the farmer's market. Nobody would get back to me. So I packed up all of my things and I showed up at like 5.30 or 6 one Saturday morning and I (laughs) kind of wandered around (laughs) until I found somebody who looked like they were in charge and I asked them if I could have a table. And they were like, oh, yeah, actually, we have a free table. So that is how I landed my spot there. I ended up being able to have that table. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that was true grit at that point. Yeah, well, I would say, and especially the farmer's market. So I I love that you said the farmer's market because it sounds to me, obviously, being in Nova Scotia and Halifax, the local feel is definitely there. And I think for for jewelry and any type of crafts, um, I think that's the best way to start sometimes to test out the market and to see the potential to improve that product and then go larger scale. But I mean, nowadays, you know, there's Etsy and there's different uh, websites, online platforms that individuals can you. So at that time, that didn't really exist or wasn't as popular, was it? So exactly what you said about the farmer's market, it was such a good place to kind of figure out my direction and where I wanted to go and test the market. And I feel like Etsy was just starting to gain traction around then. So I had actually opened an Etsy shop, but I mean, I didn't know how to grow an audience or drive traffic to an online shop or things like that. So it was all very much trial and error for me for the first couple of years. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what it took for you to keep grinding and uh, fostering the grit that you had to keep going. Absolutely. So to be honest, around that time, it took a little bit of a detour. And so, but it's such an integral part of my journey and it really kind of helped propel me to where I am today. So after a year of being at the farmer's market, I had our first son and before having him, of course, not having a baby before, I was like, oh, I'll have him and then I'll just go right back to the farmer's market. (laughs) And I I had a newborn baby and I was like, okay, so that's not (laughs) going to happen. So I took a little bit of a break, but I was still doing the jewelry on the side, more so because I love doing it. But as he started to grow, and when he was around one, one and a half, I realized that I just didn't have that same inspiration as I did before. It was feeling really forced to me. So I decided to sort of just take a break and see you know, where things went. And then it was around that time that one of my friends actually approached me and asked me if I wanted to take a look at her network marketing business. And at that time, it was exactly what I was looking for. It gave me an excuse to get out of the house. It gave me um, so much opportunity for personal growth and development. And I really sort of took that opportunity and dove in headfirst. But what did that look like for you? So on a day-to-day basis... Yeah. So it was a product-based business and it was health and wellness and like beauty products. And so it looked like like one thing that really jumped out to me was the business opportunity at the time. And it was something that just made so much sense along with like the connection. And so I just started sharing the opportunity with other women that I felt connected to or that I would love to work alongside. And I grew a pretty big business within um, about three years. And a lot of that was really based on guiding and mentoring and training other women. And so that's something that appealed to me right away. And I really grasped onto was that 
again, that professional development, the personal development, inspiring, coaching, and mentoring other women. Yeah. And that's really big. And I think you and I are alike in that in that sense where inspiring one another, you know, I think there's two perspectives to it and working together, really. Uh, there's two perspectives to it. I think you can either look at a, uh, you know, a fellow entrepreneur as either competitive or, you know, supporting you you in your own growth. And I think there's a fine line. And I think sometimes it can be really scary for anybody who is an entrepreneur is in the business world or vice versa. If you're looking to get into it, it can seem very uh, dooming and kind of scary to to enter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to hear that. And I love that that was kind of the foundation of, of your career and uh how it kind of propelled your where you are today. So how did you utilize that to your benefit, I guess? Or what did you do to grow with it? you know, with your fellow female entrepreneurs? Yeah. So there was definitely, um, the culture was very much community over competition and mm-hmm. very much like a, we rise by lifting others. So it really helped to foster that. And I really found out how to create community, how to support other people, how to support other people where they were as well and with what they needed, not necessarily what my vision was for them, but sort of with what their vision was for themselves, but also showing people how to cast a bigger vision for themselves. So sometimes people can only see so much within them and they need somebody else to be able to help shine that light. So that was really a big part of that journey. And then it was a couple years into that where all of a sudden, like I remember when it happened, I was at the beach with my boys and I had this feeling flooding back that I needed to start making jewelry again. It was like this visceral knowing and I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew how I was going to do it. And yeah, that kind of started a whole other leg of my journey. (laughs) Well, tell me more about that. So uh, I'm assuming at that point, did you leave the business that you had grown or did you just kind of um, balance the two? So I balanced the two for about another year, I think, a year or two. And then it got to a point where I couldn't put as much as I wanted into both of them. So I decided to leave the network marketing behind and pursue Sarah Kelly Designs full time. And so I can tell you a little bit more about, I guess, that inspiration to kind of start up Sarah Kelly Designs. Yeah, please do. Because just that vision alone, I I can speak to myself and I can only imagine other females and other people having the same kind of, I see the vision, but then the execution part is very scary. (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. And so having had, again, a jewelry business before, I had so many things that I learned the first time that I knew I wasn't either going to do again or I was going to do differently this time. And so when I decided to start creating jewelry again, I had been on such a personal growth journey through my network marketing business that I started to get familiar with meditation and I became familiar with mala beads and I had been trying to find a set of mala beads for myself, but none of them really resonated with me. And so when I had this inspired thought on the beach, I decided, oh my gosh, I need to make mala beads. Like I'm going to just start off by making my own. And so I got a whole bunch of beautiful gemstones and crystals and I started designing my own mala bead necklaces. And then I started posting pictures of them. And right away, people asked me if they could buy them. And because I was familiar with selling jewelry from before, it was such a natural 
step for me to take. Um, I knew how to sell them. I knew how to, you know, price them to actually make money, which I didn't do the first time. And so I had learned all these things that I kind of kept in my back pocket. And now it was time to pull them out again. And one thing that I'll say is I'm, I'm very much an observer. So I really observe what I'm drawn to, what I see working. And I kind of take all of that and then apply it in my own way. And that's what I did once I decided to start up Sarah Kelly Designs. Well, I love that the fact that you had a real life situation in the sense of you wanting something and couldn't find it in the market and then just decided to do it for yourself, which I think is so brilliant. But with that said, one point that you touched on was the selling aspect of it, which that for anyone, you know, is very scary to do, like to put a number on something and uh, being comfortable with the number and knowing that, you know, you're not overpriced, you're not underpriced, you feel fairly compensated and the customer ultimately feels like they're paying for what they're getting. So how did you kind of evolve in the selling? Because I know you started back when you're in grade four with the 50 cent bracelets, but what metrics or what kind of helped you in the pricing aspect? Yeah. So over the years, um, I had looked at different pricing models and I found one that really resonated with me that basically made sure that so when it comes to products, and this is something that I teach inside of my programs, um, that there's a formula Mm -hmm. that I follow to make sure that whether I'm selling it wholesale or whether I'm selling it direct consumer, that there's a healthy margin on both of those. And then in addition to that, it's taking that number and of course, doing your market research and making sure that it is, you know, comparable. And when you're looking at the the quality of the products and things like that, that, you know, it's comparable to what's out there. And also at the end of the day, I think what's important that you said is that it feels good to you. And to be honest, when it comes to pricing, I think that one thing that a lot of us get caught up in is that our price reflects our own value when it Mm -hmm. doesn't. Like we are separate from our products. We are separate from our services. And so it's important to remember that you're not putting a price on yourself. You're putting a price on this item you've created or this service that you're offering. You said it. (laughs) Hit it right on the nail. I think that's a very, uh, very accurate description of that because, you know, even in myself as a consultant, that's often you think about that. And unfortunately, though, sometimes you feel like you're caught in a situation where you have to compromise a project or compromise the price, Mm -hmm. uh, if that makes sense. So I don't know about many entrepreneurs, but I have experienced some who, you know, will alter their price, whether it be for a certain project or whether it be um, a retainer or, um, and of course, I'm talking about consulting services right now, but um, even photography or anything of that sort, you know, it'll range based on the project versus a set price. What's your outlook on that? I think it really depends on the individual. And I think it depends on what you are, again, comfortable with. And I think it's very much a growing process with your prices. I think it's important to have a foundational understanding of why you're pricing things a certain way. And then in addition to that, I think as a service-based person, one thing that I've learned is that it's important to focus on the value and the transformation not just the time or the actions that you're taking. So instead of pricing based on like a per hour basis, you want to really look at the value and the transformation that your client is receiving. So like how much time is this saving them from trying to figure it out themselves or somebody who has no idea how to do this? What is this value 
that they're now receiving in their business or their life as a result of the service and really focusing on that when you're coming up with your prices, not just the time or the act of the service. You are absolutely right about that because I don't, again, I'm speaking generally, but I think as as a small business owner, when you're starting off, sometimes that could be really hard to see. And um, if you're not within the sector for very long or, you know, similar to yourself, don't have the community or the network or the books or any sort of platform to learn for from, it's very hard to identify, I guess, the right practices and the wrong ones. Absolutely. And so that is one of the main reasons why I started doing the business consulting. And that has sort of been the last part of my journey um, in the last six months or so. Yeah. So, well, going back, so I you started your business line and how was that after you, you know, learned everything and you applied that to your new business? What was the results of that and what did you learn? And where was the transition between jewelry and then consulting now? So with my jewelry, it pretty much took off right away. Um, I mean, immediately I started getting sales. Within a couple months, I had acquired my first couple of wholesale accounts or like retail partners. And all of this was happening very organically. And I remember I had said that I had a little overlap with my other business. So it got to a point where I felt like I was thriving in my jewelry business and my network marketing business was almost like slipping away from me. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't get it to stay at that momentum of my jewelry business. And then I talked to a good friend one day and she pointed out that I was working my jewelry business from a place of like love and power and abundance, things that truly inspired me. And I had started working my other business from a place of like fear and scarcity and not enoughness and trying to keep up with certain things. And so that energy going into both businesses was directly affecting the outcome of them. So that was very eye opening to me. That like gives me goosebumps because that is like... It's something that I've just been diving into recently on my journey and mindset like and the energy you're putting into both is so, so big. And I love that you're hitting it right now. Um, so tell me more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so I continued to grow my jewelry business and I really focused on what was inspiring me, what felt good, what excited me, what I loved creating, what I loved posting about, how I loved sharing it. And the more I focused on the things that energized and excited me and felt good, the more the business continued to grow. So I started my jewelry business. It was four years ago now. So within a couple years into my business, people would kind of ask me business advice here and there. And I was always so excited to share and talk about it. And within the last year, I started getting more and more questions. And then people started asking me, you know, have you ever thought of, you know, mentoring people in business? Have you ever thought of doing programs? And to be honest, I had thought about it because like I said, when I was doing network marketing, that training and coaching and inspiring other women was such uh, an amazing part of it and something that I love doing so much. And so I always wondered if I could do that in a business sense. But then, of course, my ego would come up and say, well, who are you to teach other people in business? You didn't go to business school. But at the same time, I knew what I had created and I knew that I had created in a way that was authentic. And I started to see how I could share that with other people. That is big. The authenticity and almost imposter syndrome, what I would define it as, a feeling like what you have to offer or your sense of credibility is just not is not adequate enough to put yourself out there. So what 
What helped you overcome that and what tools were utilized throughout the process? Yeah. So one thing that I think I can say about myself is that I always have belief in myself. So, you know, when I started my jewelry business originally, when I left my full-time job, when I decided to pursue network marketing, when I decided to start my jewelry business again, the reason that I was able to do all those things was because I truly believed in myself and my own ability. And I knew that I could always find a way, like if it felt good and it was something that I wanted to pursue, I could find a way to do it. And I knew that it wouldn't always be easy, but I would, you know, figure out what worked and try different things. And so kind of like my other businesses, I just decided that I would go for it and I would put myself out there. So I decided it was in November that I was going to do this. And I started sort of thinking about a plan and how I wanted to put it out there. And immediately what came to mind was creating an online course. And the reason that this came to mind was because I realized that I had this blueprint in my head of how to start an online business or not an online business, but a business in general. I mean, most businesses are online nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized that not everybody had the same step by step process in their heads as well. And that when it came to starting a business, people didn't know, you know, how to register their business, how to come up with a name or a logo, how to price their products, how to start a social media, how to grow an audience, how to create a website, how to implement business practices. And I really saw the value in putting together a step-by-step system that could teach people how to do that. And especially where you were so closely tied to it, like you were front-end customer service as well as the founder, you were wearing all of the different hats to run a successful business. So you really knew the ins and outs of it too. 100%. Yeah, I had my hands in all of the areas. So I knew everything from, you know, starting and then to growing a business. So I started to draft an outline and put that together. And at the same time, I started up my sarahkelly.ca Instagram. And one big tip that I will tell people is that if you are looking at starting a business or launching a new product, the best thing that you can do is start an Instagram and just start sharing it on social media. So what you're doing there is a couple of different things. You are basically kind of figuring out your branding, your offering from that end. And you're also warming up your audience so that when you launch a product or a service, you have an audience that's kind of ready and waiting for it. So that's a good point that you bring up, the warming up of your audience aspect. So if someone was to have an idea and, you know, they have an idea, they go on Instagram, they put the name that they have, and let's say like a temporary logo for the time being until they're developing their actual product and the the full scale of the branding. In your perspective, do you think there would be any sort of misbrand alignment if they were to have started? it off with, you know, a specific format and then shifted it perhaps drastically to a completely, you know, thought out brand. You know, I mean, obviously they're going to lose some followers here and there. But do you think from a business perspective that that can affect their business at all? I think there's a couple different things to keep in mind there. I think that you have to have a general idea, like you have to have a good idea of what you're going to offer. I don't think you can just throw something up there and then kind of go with it. So I think you do need to have like a foundational idea. But I do think that the changes and the moving directions or kind of evolving is just part of any business. And I think that the more that you can keep your audience and your customers engaged with that, it's like you're including them in your journey and kind of bringing them along with you as you're starting. And I mean, we know that people don't just buy from businesses because of the product or the service they 
mostly by because they connect with the person behind the business. And it's creating that know, like, and trust factor when you're kind of bringing your audience along that journey with you that they want to see you succeed for the most part. They want, you know, to see you be able to start this thing and then watch it grow and then celebrate with you once you finally put it out there. Yeah. So that's what you had done with your Sarah Kelly. And then where did you go from there? Yeah. So I started by sharing things that I wanted my audience to kind of be able to experience with me. So I would share tips and value and, you know, in my experiences, because I wanted to do a couple different things. I wanted to sort of position myself as somebody who did know what I was talking about, for lack of a better <laughs> word, um, but yeah. kind of give people that taste or that experience of what I was offering and also to help people without them even having to invest in my services right away. So, you know, giving them tips and tricks and ideas that they could implement into their business. And then from there, I created a website. I then started working with a business coach. And this is something that I had never done before because I had always been on the product side of a business, but I had never done the service side of a business. And kind of like what we were talking about, I had no idea how to package or sell my services. So I hired my own business coach to teach me that side of things. And then once I had that foundational understanding, I was able to put together my offerings, my services, package them together, and then start putting those out there for people. I love that you just said that you got your business coach. I I think a lot of even successful entrepreneurs um, or small business businesses, any sort. I don't think a lot of people openly um, share that, you know, they're consulting other people to help their businesses grow. And I think especially on a small scale, sometimes we're very apprehensive of hiring somebody um, or paying somebody really to help you along with your business because you fear, you know, they're not going to understand what your business is for. And especially when it's something so near and dear to your heart. If somebody starts to question, you know, why you're doing things a certain way, and I'm only speaking with my own experience, you kind of tend to tense up and you're like, hmm, it makes you question things, but it also makes you to a certain degree doubt if you're capable of doing it again to a certain degree. But that's something that I think especially starting off, not a lot of business owners invest in those types of services and kind of coast along for, you know, a couple of years before they decide to do that. So would you recommend getting one sooner or after a couple of years in business and taking some sort of market research and insights and being able to um, grow with, with the business coach. Yeah. So I love a lot of the points that you brought up there. And I'll answer that question first. And from my experience, I think the sooner that you start working with somebody to help you sort of clarify your vision and the direction of your business, the better, because you're just going to save so much time and to be honest, money in the long run by figuring those things out right away. And again, that's speaking from my own experience. And the other thing that I think is so important that you brought up is really doing your research and aligning yourself with somebody who is aligned with the type of work that you're doing and is going to support you in a way that feels good to you. So before I reached out to my coach um, to work with her, I was very clear that I don't do well with like tough love. (laughs) I want love love. (laughs) I want somebody who's going to like support me and nurture me with like gentle guidance and direction because I know that's how I benefit. I don't do well with people like calling me out or putting me on the spot or making me feel 
you know, less than for my choices or my decisions, sort of what you were talking about there. And that's really the the place that I come from in my own business consulting, because I know that people are doing the best that they can with what they have and what they know. And I never want anybody to feel like I'm going to look at what they're doing and you know, demean them or say, you should be doing it this way. It's always a a very gentle and like compassionate guidance. And just knowing that people are where they are. And my job is to kind of help them grow and learn, but never to make them feel like they're doing something wrong or they should have known better or things like that. Yeah. And that's very important. I think, uh, especially for any business owner, you know, for myself speaking, I know that a business is your baby and it, it takes a lot of gut to put yourself out there. So I think it's important to have that support and the nurture that you were talking about, because that's the only way we kind of accept any type of criticism or even questions about, are you doing this the right way? Or even simply, are are you doing this the best way to optimize your business in any way? 100%. And it just comes back to, I always think of myself when I first started and sort of what I needed and what I wish that I had. And I try and be that person now for other people. And so tell me a little bit more about after the business coaching and how that experience was for you. Yeah. So I am actually still working with this business coach. And I think it's amazing because... In order for me to be able to support my clients in the best way, I think it's important for me to continually be growing and evolving and also investing in my own business the way that I am asking people to invest in their business. So that's something that I've actually kept going. That's good. I I really like that you're openly sharing that because that uh, for me, again, especially and it's interesting I say this because despite despite the business self-employed world growing. I think um, so many of us are kind of, you know, uh, have their walls up or aren't openly sharing the ins and outs of how they're running their business. And, you know, again, I guess that goes back to my comment of do you see it as community or do you see it as a competitor? And I think for any small business owner, whether they're looking at a fellow small business owner or even somebody who has, you know, gained um, a few years under their belt and has grown a tremendous amount, you kind of assume that they just they just got lucky and they're doing everything on their own and they know everything on their own instead of using other resources and other platforms to help them grow. I love that you're talking about this right now. And I'd love to kind of share a little bit about my experience with that. Um, Because for years, I had sort of worn it as a badge of honor that I did everything myself. I got to where I was by myself. I grew my businesses by myself. And I think that there certainly is value in that. And it, it helped me grow in so many ways. And then this year, I decided... In order to grow in the way that I want to grow, I need support. And that support looks like a couple different things. So first of all, like I said, it was hiring a business coach. And the reason that I decided to keep working with this coach is because so I'm part of a mastermind group and it only helps me grow like it. It helps me grow and come up with new ideas and collaborate. And there's so much growth and expansion that comes from that space. And then the other side of it is that I hired a virtual assistant. And as somebody who is a recovering control freak, (laughs) (laughs) um, because I'm aware of my control freakness now, I think that this is something that a lot of people can relate to that nobody can do it as good as I can, or it's going to be so much work to try and show somebody else how to do this. I might as well just do it myself. Um, 
And so once I finally accepted that I just couldn't do it all myself. And to be honest, that I didn't want to do it all myself anymore. My business has grown exponentially that it would not have been able to if I didn't hire help. And that's important to know. I think that's like that speaks to, you know, just acceptance first off to to your state and the environment that you were in, but also uh, speaks to abundance. The more that you're tapping into the resources you have, the more that you can grow. 100%. And one thing that I like to sort of share about that, because I'm sure that a lot of people, if they're listening to this, they're probably interested in their own business and they're probably feeling the same way, is that it's important to find somebody, again, who you are aligned with. So I can be completely honest with my virtual assistant. And I tell her that it's really hard for me to delegate. And so we have a really good relationship in that she knows when to kind of come in and suggest taking things off my plate or suggest how she can support me, which makes it that much easier to just hand things over to her. Like it takes that extra thinking aspect away from it. So I found somebody who I have a really great working relationship with. And With hiring assistants, so whether it is like a virtual assistant or production assistant, a lot of people get really intimidated because they think that they have to hire like a full-on employee um, or that it's going to cost a ton of money. And nowadays, you can hire a lot of people on like a contract basis or on like a per-project basis that makes it really affordable, especially when you're starting out. And that's something that I wish I kind of had have known more about when I first had started thinking about this a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, I love that you just said you wish you had known this. Now, looking back, what do you wish you had known more of starting off and even throughout your business? <laughs> Pretty much everything. <laughs> and I laugh because that is exactly um, that is exactly why I created, again, like that blueprint program, because I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to price my products. I didn't know how to get them from, you know, my table and then to somebody's home. Like, how do people buy them? How do they find me? Mm-hmm. Um, how do I market them? How do I create a website? I, I needed to know everything. And so that was a 10 year journey for me. And that's why now I've created this that people can take all of that and know from start to kind of like growth, Mm -hmm. how to do all those things. That's incredible. I love it. And it just gets me excited. And I'm just so excited because I know you also have new programs and workshops that are coming out. So tell me what um, somebody on the other side working with you would feel or learn or grow. Because I know you just in this short episode, you gave us a lot of knowledge. So I can only imagine the programs. Yeah, I I am absolutely in love with my programs. Um, and I create them in that way. I create them to be something that really excites me and energizes me so that I can really share from a place of love and abundance. And so with my programs, I first of all, I have that really compassionate guidance, which is really important to me. I want people to feel comfortable where they are and know that they can only grow from here. So if you don't know how to price your products, if you don't know anything about taxes or how to register your business, we're going to work together and I'm going to show you exactly how to do that. And so with a lot of the women who come to me and sidebar, I didn't intend for it to be mostly women. But that's just I attract. I'm very much a girl's girl. And that's sort of what it's turned into. So most of the women who come to me are seeking different things. So some of them have an idea and they don't know how to get it off the ground and how to turn it into a business. Some women have just started a business, but again, they don't know how to price their products or their services or they don't know how to grow an engaged following. So a lot of it is very much like hands on or very closely working together with what 
they want to achieve sort of step by step and guiding them through those processes. And then one thing that I just launched that I'm over the moon excited about is the new heart-based business community. Yes, I know. (laughs) And it's so exciting. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yes. So I'm I'm beyond excited about this. I just launched it within the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And so we closed the doors for this round of registration, but it'll be open again in another three months. And what it is, is it's a membership community for heart-based business owners. So it's a space where they can come together to connect, to learn, and then to thrive. And so it's an online platform that provides ongoing education, connection, collaboration, guidance, and then also access to me on a monthly basis where they can ask specific questions related to their business and get guidance from me. Basically what we just talked about and what we're talking about now, but on a such deeper <laughs> level. <laughs> exactly. And so the great thing about this program is it's it's an ongoing sort of aspect. So every month there is an industry expert training. And with those trainings, there's going to be at least three points that they can take and apply to their business right away. And the intent is that once they apply that to their business, their business will be able to move forward each month in different areas. And I like to sort of explain the program as being two things. It can either be like a safety net or it can be a launch pad. And so it can be a safety net for people who feel like They don't need a ton of like hands-on support or like working closely with a business coach or consultant, but they need something. They need something there for when they have questions, when they want to get feedback from other peers, when they have a question for a business consultant, then they have access to those resources. Or it can be for somebody who is just sort of trucking along, but now they're really ready to take their business to the next level. And that's sort of like the launch pad aspect that now they have the tools, the resources, the education, the community and the guidance to be able to do that. Yeah. And really, at whatever stage you are in the business, this is always useful because um, like you said, sometimes you're so close to the problem that sometimes you don't see the big picture or, you know, elements that you could be missing. And so for uh, for communities and even any type of coaching or mentoring or a different pair of eyes kind of looking at a problem, you can always learn so much from that and grow so much from that. 100%. And that's exactly what what we're creating through the community. I love it. So I mean, I I hate to cut this episode so short because I feel like we could be here for hours. Um, and who knows, maybe there will be another um, episode with more specific Q&As from our audience because I know people are going to love this episode. But where can they find you in case they want to reach out and ask you more questions? Yes, absolutely. So the best place, the place where I hang out the most is on Instagram and that's at sarahkelly.ca no H on Sarah. And my website, it's the same, sarahkelly.ca. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for inviting me. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening. Want more? Don't forget to subscribe and to leave a comment below. Stay connected by following us on Instagram at shimi.co.